0: Well this morning we're going to continue in effect our series Hope for a Culture in Crisis which has been looking through Romans. Uh, We had a pause for January, a very fruitful prophetic pause which I think it really was. I think God spoke to Steve about the prodigal son and I think that was a real anointing to that sort of weight uh, in the spirit as it were of something God wanted to say. But also we want to finish what we are doing on this series of Romans and we're we're I think we're landing it as best I remember we're landing it in chapter 8 but we're not just we're going to take some time over chapter 8 a few weeks and I'm so glad we are Romans 8 is a magnificent chapter in the New Testament if Romans is the Himalayas of the New Testament Romans 8 is Mount Everest it's it's monumental and it I I, I mean it's so much about the Holy Spirit which perhaps you don't always immediately think of Um, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned once in Romans 7 Uh, we have looked and got something out of Romans 7 Uh, I preached on it back in at the end of December December 29th actually and if you probably weren't here if you were on holiday visiting relatives but if you weren't here uh, please do listen to that because it sort of leads into Romans 8 so I, I think you can get it on the church website Uh, what I spoke on then. But Romans 7 only has one reference to the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 has 19 references to the Holy Spirit in the first 27 verses, which actually, if you're into data and statistics, is is the most concentrated references to the Holy Spirit in the whole New Testament. And so uh, Romans 7 is about the law's weakness. Romans 8 is about the power of the Spirit. And in fact, Romans 8 is ultimately about the normal Christian life. Now we're just going to start this morning, and I feel there's some important stuff to set, to set us going on that. So I do pray that you'll have revelation, perhaps fresh for some of you. You may think, well, I've heard some of that before, but I never tire of the truths in this. And I'm praying that everyone has their eyes opened, everyone, uh, to see the truth and believe it. Okay, we're going to read the first eight of verses. Therefore, verse 1, And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the flesh's desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, this is a dense, if you like, concentrated chapter as well there's a lot in it and I'm only going to be able to touch the surface this morning because of they all the natural restrictions of time so I want to just focus in effect on two verses I'm going to speak on verse one and four is that the text if you like I'll say a big more than that which I'm going to tie things around and we're going to look at no condemnation and then we're going to look at living in the spirit holy spirit leading me I did say before I can get a bit engaged and lost in what I'm saying and so I cannot guarantee we'll get to the end of the second point but there are only two points but I can I believe in the spirit guarantee that God wants to speak to you and you'll get something so let's start with no condemnation and let's put up Romans 8 1 which is the text for that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus I mean that is awesome therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus let's just say first of all it's generally agreed that the therefore is not just referring to the last few verses we would have read in what we have as Romans 7 but it's referring to the, to the main thrust of what Paul's been saying for several chapters. This is the climax of, if you like, four, five, six, seven. And the therefore is all he's been building to, in a sense, Romans 7 is a digression to talk about the law, to show that the law can't save you and the law can't sanctify you, which means make you holy, live like Jesus. The law can't do either of those. So he's coming back to the magnificent sort of conclusions from the gospel he's laid out and the truths he's laid out in those, all those earlier chapters. And this is a very important climax for all of us as Christians. I say all Christians deliberately. If you've been a Christian 60 years, which is near to my own position, not quite 60, you, you, you need to hear this. If you've been a Christian six days, six hours, you need to hear it, and it applies to us all. All. And we need to hear it, all of us. It's probably the most important uh, Truth here for your own security, for your own spiritual health, well-being, confidence in God, and just the progress you make as a Christian. You need to hear this stuff, receive it, believe it, and live in the light of it. There is, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Paul is saying that a Christian is a person who has been taken entirely out of the realm of any possible or conceivable condemnation. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation. Now, that doesn't mean that there is nothing in any of us that deserves condemnation, because if you're honest about yourself, there is. And we know it. It doesn't mean that you will never feel condemnation because at times you do and our enemy, the devil, likes to make those times as frequent as possible because he is the accuser of the brethren. This isn't first of all about your feelings or your, even your practice. It's about your position. It is a categorical statement, a truth that you need to hear. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is about our position first before we talk about our experience. It's a positional statement. Being in Christ Jesus, we can never again come under condemnation. If you are a real Christian, put your faith in Jesus, ask God to forgive you your sins, giving yourself to Jesus, giving your heart to Jesus, all sorts of little phrases we use. If you're a real Christian, then your sins and my sins are completely forgiven and removed. Your sins, past sins are dealt with, your present sins are dealt with, and your future sins are dealt with. They've already been dealt with. Condemnation is a technical term it's a judicial term if you like a legal term and it means the judgment of God there is no more judgment of God for you in any circumstances now we easily I think relatively although even here we struggle can get that our past sins are dealt with some people struggle at that but we can more easily grasp that but if you Tell me, you might say, that my present and future sins are dealt with. I'm struggling with that. What does that mean? Well, let me just link it with something else, which we'll look at later. The last verse of Romans 8 says, Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. So, there is no condemnation and there is no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing will ever, in any way, bring you into condemnation and judgment before God or separate you from God ever in eternity if you're in Christ Jesus. Nothing. No condemnation, no separation. Now the obvious thing that many people feel, including many Christians, is isn't this a bit dangerous? When you talk like this, John, aren't you more or less telling people they're free to go out and sin? Well, if your mind has gone to that conclusion, then you're understanding properly what is being said here. You've got it, yeah. Because that's how people reacted when Paul first taught this or explained it. And if you wanted to check that out, you could read as simple as Romans 6 verse 1. People are saying, well, surely, if you're saying what you're saying about this gospel, then we we ought to... Keep on sinning to show how great the grace of God is. Yes, that's the logic of the position. And it is the logic of the position. That's not just, oh, they're silly, they got it wrong. No, they've got it right, logically. We need to take a little longer on this to understand it. But this is that radical and that true. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation, no condition, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is very radical. Now, let's think it through a minute. First of all, there is a condition for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is not a statement about all people or all people from birth or something. There is something precise here for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's ask for a moment, well, what is a Christian? Someone who's decided to follow Jesus yep some truth in that someone who has believed in Jesus to have their sins forgiven fair enough I'll accept that's got some truth in it as well someone who's joined a church well if you're a real Christian I would be surprised if you don't want to join a church and meet with God's people so that has some truth as well But actually none of them are the proper definition of what it is to be a Christian. The New Testament would more often describe us who follow Jesus and put our faith in him as those who are in Christ Jesus. That's very important. You'll find it all over the place. In him, you'll find sometimes. In Christ. In Christ Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are not just forgiven. You're not just justified. That's magnificent. Declared innocent before God. But God puts you in Christ Jesus. And in fact, Romans 6 again told us we are baptised into him. Now that is worked out in water baptism, in symbol, but it is a reality. You are immersed in Jesus. You are plunged into Jesus. And everything that happened to Jesus happened to you, is counted to you. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. You are in him and he is in you. You are in union with him forever. You are in Christ Jesus you have been plunged into him actually by the way it's why water baptism for believers is so important and I believe it's best if it can be by immersion where you're plunged into the water because it's vivid and dramatic and it's not comfortable and it reminds you what a radical things happened when you became a Christian you were plunged into Jesus when he died you died when he came alive you came alive his life is your life you are in Christ Jesus and there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you could say to me, well John, how can you be so sure about all this that you, whatever you sin in future isn't going to bring you into separation or condemnation? I'll tell you how I can be so sure. It's in, your, it's in what we're reading because it's something God did. There are two little words in verse 3. God did. God did. You didn't do it. God did it. It's not dependent on what you've done, it's dependent on what he's done and you'll find that in many places as well. Some of you will know one of my most favourite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.21 and if I was able to I'd cite it but I don't like to get it wrong so I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 which is just another way of describing what we're looking at this morning. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God who did it God did it and if God did it no one can undo it no devil can undo it and you can't undo it you're not stronger than God the devil's not stronger than God God did it This whole salvation is something God did. Father, Son and Holy Spirit are all part of it. And it's dynamic and it's real. It's planned in heaven. It's worked out through the Son. It's actualized in your life through the Spirit. And Jesus died for you. You are in him. He's in you. And nothing can reverse it. God did it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for you. God gave you in him the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Christ. God put you in Christ Jesus, and if you are in, you are in now you need to be in you need to put your faith in Jesus it 's a proper decision of faith you make doesn 't happen by osmosis doesn 't happen by being born in Britain or going to church or going to fifty five alpha courses. it can happen in church, it can happen in Britain, it can happen in an alpha course can happen in any nation in the world by the way, what I mean is it's nothing to do with that, that you need to find Jesus somewhere. Yes. So we love to provide ways of you finding Jesus. <laughs> Alpha courses are brilliant ones. Please come along to one. But somewhere in the process you need to ask Jesus yourself. You need to put your faith in Jesus and say I want to be in you too. And I Lord give myself to you. Yeah. Then you are in Christ Jesus. And you will stay with him and in him forever. I want to be very precise here. I do not believe, and I think the New Testament and what I am teaching to you this morning, totally, 100% supports this. I do not believe you can be in Christ one moment and out of him another. I do not believe you can be in Christ when you're behaving well and out of Christ when you sin. You say, oh, John, that's a bit unfair. Listen. At what level of behavior does the change happen then? You're in Christ as long as you're what? Perfect? Ooh, that's a bit hard, isn't it? You come out of Christ when you sin. Which sin? Adultery? Stealing? Murder? Yeah, but what about envy? What about a few lies? What about when you're just bad tempered? When you don't get it? What point do you come out of Christ again then? And how do you get back in? You confess your sin. What happens if you forget to? I mean, where, what nonsense. You are in Christ, there's no condemnation, and you're not coming out of Christ. Yes. Right? Yes. That If you don't believe that, you'll live in a muddle. Get it in your head and believe it. Yes. And live by it. Live by it. You do not cease to be a Christian when you sin. You do not come under condemnation when you sin, you are not cast out of Christ when you sin. When you sin, Christian friend, you sin against love, not against law. When you sin, you sin against love, not against law. Law is not applying to you any longer. The difference between an unbeliever sinning and a Christian sinning is the difference between someone breaking one of the laws of the United Kingdom Or a son or daughter disobeying and displeasing a loving good father. They are different things. It's not good, they're different. Okay? This isn't, oh, well, that doesn't matter how I behave. Well, if you're really thinking like that, I'd say to you, get saved this morning. But to be honest, I would. But let's, let's not just go there for a moment. If you're properly saved, you are in relationship with a loving father. When you sin, it's not about law, it's about love. Your relationship with the Father is spoiled. You have hurt and offended him. You've insulted what Jesus has done on the cross. You should feel ashamed of yourself, but you do not need to feel condemned. You are still a child of God. When my children, when they were young and at home, did things wrong and I was cross with them and had to even bring an element of discipline, they never ceased to be my children. I didn't say, oh, you've you've done something wrong. I totally disown you. That's nonsense. And actually, if you understand this, it's actually harder to sin against love than it is law. I mean, just use your imagination. Most of us are probably a little bit less bothered about, particularly more petty uh, breakings of law to do with speed limits and the odd, slightly generous interpretation of tax laws and things like that. We're quite at ease about that. But if you really hurt and offend someone you deeply love, you are much more troubled. That's just using a slightly silly example because I'm after expecting the law. of But actually what I'm saying is this is not about wishy-washiness. There is a difference. You probably can handle breaking objective laws more easily than really hurting and offending a good loving father. It's a different thing. It's a different dynamic. For the Christian, sin is no longer a matter of law. It's a matter of personal relationship in a relationship of love. And I believe we need to understand that and work on that basis. You know, the devil will constantly try to bring condemnation to you. You're a Christian. Done that. You're not even a Christian. God won't forgive that, you have now done it, you're out now, you'll never get back, this is beyond the pale, whatever it is, the accused of the brethren will bring it. What do you do when Satan highlights your weaknesses and sins particularly to you? What you need to do is tell him that you know what you've done. You know you've grieved your heavenly father, but you also know you still belong to your heavenly father And Jesus' blood will cleanse you from sin. You are a child of God. You're still accepted in the beloved one, Jesus. You don't any longer dread the father's condemnation. This is a family matter and it's none of your business, Satan. It's a family matter. And now you've highlighted my sin. Thank you for doing that. You can go away because I'm going to talk to my father about it and I'm going to say sorry to him and he will cleanse me and forgive me with the blood of Jesus that has already been shed for me he's never going to die again Jesus is never going to die again what's going to cleanse you from sins you commit later this week Well, Jesus isn't going to go through the cross again no animal sacrifice it's all done he's going to apply it you say Lord please forgive me and he says good we've heard about the prodigal son this is the heart of the father For goodness sakes, the heart of the Father. Tell Satan to clear off. But you could say, well, thanks for pointing it out. I'm going to go and sort it out. I wondered why I felt a bit miserable. Oh, yeah, I've done something wrong. I better go and talk to my dad. Thank you. Shut up and clear off. That's how you deal with it. You are in relationship with him. Now, let's briefly, I have got a few minutes, briefly look at the other main point because that was the positional, this is the practical, living in the spirit. And let's put up Romans 8, 4, thank you. It's all part of the same, what's running through the argument. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The Christian life is a life of no condemnation, that's very important, and it's a life in the spirit. A life orientated, directed, sustained, empowered, enriched by the Holy Spirit. That is the Christian life. Christians do not live according to the flesh. They live according to the Spirit. And actually, in our salvation, now hear this. I know I use long words, but I try to explain them. In our salvation, righteousness for the real Christian who's put faith in Jesus, righteousness is imputed And imparted okay imputed means that it is ascribed to you it is attributed to you what we've already read in Christ Jesus you are imputed righteous you have ascribed to you the righteousness of Christ when God looks at you he sees you as righteous because he sees you through the lens of Jesus you're in Christ that's brilliant but he is imparted righteousness to you the Holy Spirit, and the clue is in the name, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has come into you to change you. He's the right, the spirit of righteousness, peace and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he's come into you to change you and to make you more like Jesus from one degree of glory to another, to produce fruit in you that is beyond anything the law could do, that you might love your enemies, that you might be gentle and patient. And free. Stop you know filthy sins you're not even going to have the you're going to have your motives changed your heart changed by the spirit he's going to renew your mind he's going to produce fruit in you as you walk with him so the Christian life is life in the spirit based on the foundation stone of no condemnation it's a brilliant thing why everybody in the world isn't a real Christian is so sad there is no one anywhere of any race background or type of any intelligence or anything list I can make who should not know this good news and respond to it. If you don't take the gospel on board yourself you are very very foolish. I'm sorry I'm not trying to be rude. You are missing something that is extraordinary. You could walk out of here with a peace in your heart that is beyond understanding. You have you know condemnation, you're secure in Jesus and you've got the Holy Spirit in you to change you and help you to live day by day. What is there not to like? For goodness sake, get saved this morning. Don't hesitate for one more hour. Don't miss it. It's wonderful stuff. Now actually we haven't got time to unpack it all. The verses 5 and 8 are all about the emphasis between the contrast I beg your pardon between the two realms of the flesh and the spirit I've got to give a little bit of very very quick explanation because it the flesh here is a word called sarx in Greek and it means humanness the humanness and it really is humanness these are phrases I picked up from other commentaries because it's trying to explain it it means our fallen egocentric human nature our sin-dominated self it can refer to a person apart from or outside the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not, let's be careful with it. It's not just about wicked, evil sins of the flesh like lust. and. No, it's, it's any humanness that is living out of ourselves and of course is therefore subject to sin and temptation and, and Satan's plan. It, it's, 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 before you were a Christian, you couldn't live any other way. You could only live in the flesh. But when you're saved, you have the Spirit and you can live by the Spirit. The Spirit here, Numa, is referring to the Holy Spirit. So the flesh realm is the natural human position before we're saved. As I said, you wouldn't live in any other way. But the spirit realm is something you only can come into by being born again of the Spirit being a a child of God with the Holy Spirit in you and it's the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You've come into the realm of the Spirit when you become a Christian. Everything has changed, everything is transformed, you've been set free from the old way of living. Everything can change, you can live in a new way, you can live free to say no to sin and yes to God yes to the Holy Spirit yes to your Heavenly Father free to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh now be careful because this is I'm going to take these last five minutes to really get because this can be a misunderstanding as well living according to the flesh hear me does not necessarily mean a very sinful life living according to the flesh does not necessarily mean a very sinful life of gross evil and flagrant immorality It means to be in a state where the Holy Spirit is not leading you, where the flesh, the old humanness, is all that you rely on. Let's look at two verses quite quickly, but I think helpfully. Galatians 3.3. Here are Christians, born-again Christians, living according to the flesh and being strongly rebuked for it. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish... By means of the flesh. He's saying, You began your Christian life walking in the Spirit, you got it. And he said, you're trying to be better. Look at the phrase, finished. There's another phrase made perfect, I think, in other translations. They were trying to perfect their Christian life by the flesh. That doesn't mean they were all going out, getting drunk, sleeping with anybody they found, you know, like gross things of the flesh. These were quite well-living Christians. They were trying to get right with God by going back to the old way keeping laws, keeping rules, keeping days, what they ate, what they didn't eat, this is how they wanted to please God, they were going back in their case to Jewish rituals to try and please God and Paul said you idiots you're going back to the flesh, he does, he says you're foolish, he said you you started in the spirit and now you think you finish the thing by working out a law and flesh which you don't it doesn't sanctify you you don't become a better Christian by following rules and laws and which day you eat and what ceremonies you go to and what rituals you go through they didn't get you saved and they don't get you sanctified it is very important that all Christians from all streams understand this because it is a very common problem this is living according to the flesh when you put yourself under law and all my humanness, you're seeing your own pre faith in Christian, pre Holy Spirit, faith in Jesus, pre Holy Spirit, effort of yourself as the answer. Law keeping, religious observance, trying to please God that way. True people of God, do this. It's Philippians three, three. It's not going to be on the board, don't worry, not going to what it's not a board, whatever it is. It's not going to be up there you need to read it maybe one or two of you this is what true people of God do they serve God by his spirit they boast in Jesus Christ oh could you wait a minute thanks I'll nod to you oh if not I'll forget it thanks Jacob they serve God by his spirit they boast in Jesus Christ and they put no confidence in the flesh just hear that that's what real Christianity is you boast it's all about Jesus you boast in Jesus Christ you serve God by his spirit and you put no confidence in your flesh that is your natural abilities and strengths and abilities to be a better person it's all the flesh is egocentric and self-conscious what can I do what have I got to do am I good enough and it's doomed to failure It really leads to condemnation, pride, fear, hypocrisy and lots of other horrible things. That's what it does. We must walk in the spirit which means we are Christ-centric, not egocentric. We boast in Jesus Christ and all he's done. We are father-focused. We're focused on our father and our relationship with him and we are spirit-filled. You need to be Christ-centered, father-focused, spirit-filled not self-centered, egocentric, law-focused. And that is how you live as a Christian, out of who you are in Christ. Now one last verse, this is why I asked Jacob to wait because it's not a very nice fluffy verse. One last verse, Christians can live in the flesh another way, by being just a reacting humanly to everything like everybody else does look at this this is the Corinthians the Galatians and the Corinthians are as bad as each other hear that they're as bad as each other but the Galatians are desperately trying to be holier and holier through law. The Corinthians are just living like anybody else. Look. But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving in a human way? it's unfortunately possible to be a Christian and live according to the flesh because you go back under law and try and make yourself holy with your own effort or you just are just living like anybody else because you're not drawing from your relationship with Jesus you're not trying to please him you're not walking in the spirit you've just been a miserable fearful grumpy horrible person like you should have been saved from just living out all your effort and your pleasure and what your body tells you to do. Don't be such a wally. That's just being mere human. You're not a mere human being. You've got the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to be dictated to by your bodies and your moods and your. You don't. You walk in the Spirit. You can't. It's not willpower or law. I've got to subject my body with. You know, I'm going to fast for 50 days or something. No. Walk in the Spirit draw from your relationship in Jesus talk to your heavenly father you can play now (laughs) talk to your heavenly father because yeah I need the reminder because I've got to (laughs) go you can do it we are born of the spirit seriously that's good thank you Jacob we're born of the spirit and we need to live our lives full of the Holy Spirit you are called not to live like mere humans Once upon a time, you could no other way yet to live. But now there is. You can walk in the Spirit. You can produce the fruit of the Spirit. You can talk to your Father. You've got an open door to heaven. And when you fail and let him down, just get back and confess your sins. He'll be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Because the blood of Jesus has been shed once and for all. Amen.